Pod Pals, and welcome back to Best Girl Grip. I'm your host, Nicole Davis, and this is the podcast that navigates the film industry through the lens of the women doing just that. It's been a weird week with Omnicrom taking hold and trying to feel festive, but also just feeling quite apprehensive. Um, So I hope you're surviving, which has definitely been the overarching theme for 2021. And as always, I hope this podcast brings a little bit of light into your week. It's an appropriate segue to introduce my guest, filmmaker Sophie Littman, whose short film Sudden Light was selected for competition at the 2020 Cannes Film Festival and was nominated for a Biffa that same year. Her latest short film, Know the Grass, screened at the BFI London Film Festival in October and was long-listed for Best British Short at this year's Biffers. It's also playing in competition at the upcoming London Short Film Festival and you can buy tickets for that right now at shortfilms.org.uk. Sophie has a background in fine art and graduated from the UCL Slade School of Fine Art, which is where she got her start making experimental video work. We chat about what that label experimental means to her, how she honed her voice as a filmmaker, and we go deep on creative process as Sophie enlightens me on this idea of horizontal versus vertical work, which I thought was brilliant. We also talk about getting an agent and being named a Screen Daily Star of Tomorrow earlier this year. A quick housekeeping note, this was recorded over Zoom, and occasionally it sounds like it, but I hope you enjoy our conversation regardless. This is episode 99 of Best Girl Grip. So yeah, I mean, I guess where I always just like to start is with a general sense of like higher education and what you were thinking around that time. So did you go to university? And if so, what did you study there? I did. I went to the Slave, which is part of UCL, and I studied fine art. Um, okay so what the kind of fine art entails but yeah my course was super open so I think I initially went into it I did an art foundation and then I specialized in fine art doing that and like I'd always art was just always the thing that was like my thing from when I was a tiny kid like yeah so I did, yeah art foundation and specialized in fine art and initially I was making kind of a lot of sort of installations but like made up of paintings and drawings and lots of components but I guess it was always sort of forming a bit of a narrative and then I moved into making more video works and I was making these really intricate um difficult to edit meticulous sort of video pieces that were composed of yeah interconnecting contradictory narratives and Mm. so which you could follow and like the main sort of intention with them was that they were supposed to be compelling but they were also a bit of a labyrinth so you could follow them but you weren't necessarily entirely sure what was going on and you were trying Mm. to figure them out and then those became more and more sort of action-based and single channel and then yeah just moved more and more narrative from there. And was the view to be an artist filmmaker as a career or you weren't really thinking about kind of what to do with the degree afterwards? I think I just always wanted to be an artist from ever since I can remember. I was just always drawing when I was little and like yeah it was sort of the thing that I was known for. (laughs) Yeah I don't know I think that when I when I was at Slade I just wanted to I was just making work I didn't really know what form I didn't have a viewpoint as to the end goal but I just was yeah like I always wanted to I was just always making stuff and then it turned into more moving image stuff so I thought of myself I guess like a film artist filmmaker yeah and I think a lot of tutors showed me some just amazing films and that was so it felt like something that was out in the world that you could also be you know it felt realistic to want that 
Yes and no. I didn't know. I wasn't really considering it as being realistic. I just knew that I wanted to keep making stuff. And I remember when I first left art college, I was started running on some music video sets and it felt very unrealistic that I was going to ever get to that place because I was just like oh my god there was just such a huge gap in my knowledge and I just remember being on set because I'd not I had no clue how this worked like I've been making stuff but I've just been like always a one-man band and everyone who I knew worked in that way as well like a particular artist who's a really amazing filmmaker now and I always looked up to her but she was always a one-man band too so like even the sort of older people that I looked up to did things in that manner and then I went um yeah I was on set and I just thought oh my god like how how do I get from here to over there I just and then going home at the end of of like the next day being like really trying to read up on all this knowledge being like I have to know all of this which is ironic because now or not ironic but it seems funny now because I still don't know what (laughs) on set is but for me I was like and I did quite regret immediately on leaving I was like oh I really regretted not having done a more practical hands-on film course because I thought that's just felt like that was what was missing and now I I'm so I'm so grateful for my time at Slade it was like a really brilliant time and like a, a lot of the friends who I made there are still like their opinions are some of the most valuable to me and they introduced me to so many different types of work and I don't know so I'm just really happy for that now it can be so fraught with like expectation or what you think you should be doing it is often only with hindsight that you can realize well that path was maybe always going to lead here or yeah yeah exactly and I think then I started working for I was then meeting people on set who had done more practical filmmakers Mm. and they seemed to know infinitely more than me and Mm. seemed like they knew exactly what they were doing and so often they would introduce themselves as like these filmmakers and I was like I just remember thinking oh my god like this is just a whole world I don't know anything about and I think now looking at it I think so many of I'm a bit of a one track record when it comes to my work I'm referring back to the same things that always I've always been interested in since I was at art college so I don't know I feel really grateful for that time and to explore all those themes and and also I think it was quite it did instill quite like a good way of working for me where because it was never assignment based it was just very much like you go off Mm. and you make work and then you present it to the sort of student body at particular intervals throughout the year so you can't just be doing nothing and people were really harsh critics like no one is more harsh than people your age and uh, so yeah like it was all the older students even actually they would it was absolutely terrifying it's like a sort of first year to present right. stuff to a year and they were sort of like sardonic comments I roll seen this all before so you were just expected to generate work mm. off your own back and it'd be in the, the help was there if you wanted it like you could have tutorials whenever you wanted them you could seek out help mm. but it was just it was expected of you to keep making work without being pushed to and so I think then actually it was quite good in hindsight because I don't know when I left and you're sort of like oh my god what am I doing I was working in a cafe and then I was doing running and stuff like that but I was still always making it was just always inbuilt that I was always going to be making I would feel lost if I wasn't making my own stuff and so is running like the job that you consider to be like your first official job in like the creative industries is that sort of what got your foot in the door in that realm I would say that I started working I started running on set and it was quite like sporadic 
I was also like working in a cafe at the time. And then I think the first proper job that I had was working in a commercials production company. And I became mm. like an in-house treatment designer. Um, oh, cool. And that's what I do is like a sort of side hustle. I do more like ghostwriting now, but I do like copy for treatments for commercials and stuff like that. And then I was doing that full time and making my own stuff on the mm. side. And then you say making your own stuff and kind of self-generating work. Is that stuff you were funding? Were you starting to get commissioned to do projects? You know, what did that landscape look like in terms of, you know, what do you mean by making your own work? Yeah, so it was a bit of both. So initially on leaving Slade, I was like very lucky to have been granted this award, which gave me some money. And so I made this really tiny video with like my sister and um, and like 400 foot of like 16 mil which is like the minimum that Kodak will process <laughs> <laughs> so like I remember like hand delivering it to the to like CineLab and um, no it was yeah it was in, in the minimum that CineLab would would do it's like the minimum they turn the machines on for I did that because I was, I was like didn't know how to make anything in another way and then I was very lucky to get onto the ICA stop play record scheme and that was like I remember hearing about it and thinking this is just too good to be true because it would it just enabled me to work on a set and to work on like a bigger scale and mm-hmm. I think like I'd been running on sets so I could see how things but you know you're only ever seeing things from like such a tiny it's like learning to drive like you can um, you can be a passenger along the route so many times but it's not until you're actually in the driver's seat that you sort of know what that experience is like the stop play record completely enabled me to start doing that I was like right okay cool this is how this works there was mentorship and I was really again lucky enough to be I don't know in the hands of people who were really nurturing who were much more experienced than me so in terms of crew and producers and yeah it was it was just great and then um, that then gave me the confidence so I had a bit of money left still from this grant mm-hmm. um, to then use some of that to then make another short film but on that level mm-hmm. which was great and again it was just like a really amazing experience and yeah just being in the hands of people who just were really forthcoming with their experience and one I didn't feel afraid to admit I don't know what this is like can you help me with this Mm. like I'm a bit confused like they and they just zero judgment like I work with an incredible cinematographer Deepa Keshvala and she just yeah really really generous with her experience and her time and never judgmental and so you learn so much in and I think it's in that those experiences are quite formative I guess because it's like the first, like the second time I've ever been on mm-hmm. a set like that's my own set and so to be encouraged is such a I don't know I think it's a really brilliant thing mm-hmm. so but it's so crucial isn't it because like why would you necessarily know what like gels are or like what lenses like you should be using and I think like from my perspective like that relationship is so much about you know coming to the table saying okay like this is my idea or this is my vision and then saying okay well this is how I would help you create it as opposed to like them assuming that you know what their like process would be like it has to be a dialogue between both of you like equally bringing your ideas to the table I think yeah completely and also it makes you come to the right decision for the project because I also think looking back like I was so like much younger and you're in front of all these people and you don't want to look stupid and if there was someone who was saying that in like a sort of like exasperated like yeah but have you thought about this Mm. you would probably just quickly like ah come to any conclusion really quickly whereas if it's someone who's doing it in a kind way 
I mean, yeah, it's just generous, I think. Mm. This is a slight digression, but have you seen the souvenir part two? No, I haven't, but someone was <laughs> saying that like it. Yeah, there's a scene that feels very familiar to that where she's on a student film and I think one of, the, I think it's the DAP is quite snarky with her when she sort of changes her mind about how she wants a shot framed. And he he, he does exactly that, which is just this like sneering quality of like, well, like, why don't you know? Or like, yeah. you know, we, we can't do it like that. And you kind of see her shrink slightly. Sometimes something is really clear in your head, but you forget the interpersonal element of things and you don't want to be seen I think I don't feel like this now and I don't feel I haven't felt this for a while but Mm -hmm. I think especially when I was younger I can remember someone saying to me something like I can't remember exactly what it was but it was like as soon as you see someone doubt their decision you lose complete you lose all faith and all confidence and I remember thinking oh my god and so like at one point I did change my mind and I was like can't can't go back on it I can't say it I was like and I knew I just made like a quick decision it was said the wrong thing in the moment and I was like oh yeah this should be this and then afterwards I was like why did I say that obviously it's this I know it's this this other thing I was like well can't can't change it like otherwise I'll just go into completely undermine everyone's confidence in me and I'll look like a fool and of course it should have just said and then I was like watching it in the edit and like, I always ah so frustrating <laughs> but luckily I got all those sort of experiences out of the way before I was doing my first short so how did the first short come about was that again like a fund that you applied for or kind of making it more under your own steam yeah no no um that was so like sunlight which I'd count was like my first short done through the BFI post-stream scheme so my film I had my tiny short that I'd made with my little sister was selected as like a post-stream pick and then from that sudden light was commissioned and actually like I look I was thinking about it actually uh quite recently I was realizing I think that especially during that time I think a lot of my career was a product of yeah generous commissioners taking a bit of a gamble because I didn't necessarily know how to present a very narrative short and so I think it was I feel very lucky that they had the imagination to see where I was going with it and Mm. and and it not having to adhere to a particularly overtly conventional structure I don't know well if you yeah if you read about your career or if you read like the bias for your films like a lot of them are described as experimental and I guess I'm wondering if you yourself would describe them as that and if so just like what does that word mean to you like what is it you're experimenting with I think they're like? the most narrative things ever <laughs> <laughs> oh it's like it's so narrative like what are you want to um so um I don't think of them as experimental because I just think of them as my films I guess but um I think maybe because the things I'm drawn to making a film about are maybe more concepts or feelings oh, that sounds really pretentious but like I don't know I think it's the best way of tackling those is through slightly experimental or sensory means which can be a bit more unconventional because if you're trying to capture a feeling it's sort of a bit less of documenting going from a to b to c it's trying to conjure and evoke this feeling or this concept and so yeah I think maybe that I mean I do think I if I'm experimenting with anything it's like I guess there is a certain level of experimentation with what I can do with the landscape and how I can try and make the landscape feel sort of the physical mirror the psychological um in yeah a a geographical space and then like 
experimenting with the uncanny and taking something familiar and destabilizing it and so maybe I am trying to experiment with that but I don't think of them as that's just it's just what I'm trying to mm. do rather than I, I never approach something thinking like oh this is a different way of doing this yeah. <laughs> yeah. so to get specific like with sudden light what was the sort of the feeling or the concept that it originated with and how did you build that out into the story it became I really wanted to make something about grief. I wanted to do something in quite a simple way. So that that was like two sisters going for a walk, something can happen, it can just be that. Um, and then I have been obsessed for a long time with shifting, morphing landscapes and yeah, landscapes that mirror the psychological. And so I wanted to do something that had almost this, hmm, supernatural isn't probably the wrong word, but something like dreamy, in a real space take yeah I don't know I wanted it to be the further the girls journeyed away from the road the more dreamy it got but that's all used using the canvas that is there and available to you which is just the landscape and it was things I've been interested in for like a really long time and it was like the culmination of lots of different elements put into one really but yeah it was like the idea that when someone's about to die you're stuck in this limbo and you're just completely powerless and going round and round in circles. And that's that's it, really. It's just one big extended metaphor. Yeah, components of an extended metaphor, in a way. And I'm wondering at what point you felt comfortable or confident with calling yourself a filmmaker. I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I still, up until really recently having a chat with someone I'll say I work in film and then they say oh what do you do and I'll say oh it, I ghostwrite for commercials and then I also make my own things up until so recently so yeah I mean still sometimes I say that mm. so, I don't know and it's not so much like I know it in myself like as in I I feel like I would never yeah I feel like I am I don't feel but I just it's just maybe the imposter syndrome of then saying it to other people at what stage did you get an agent after sudden light Okay. So, and it's really lovely because my agent is basically responsible for my whole career um, because she commissioned suddenly like, off the back of Jellyfish, which is just like this t- the, the really tiny short that I made with my little sister. So, um, we had a meeting to catch up after because so it's Matimba who used to be at the BFI, um, and yeah, so she had left the BFI when whilst we were finishing making Sudden Night. And then we had a meeting and we just spoke and I wasn't expecting it all. And she was like, oh, do you want to be represented by me? I was like, obviously, no brainer. I'm wondering how like representation, did it change the trajectory? Like how you felt about your career? You know, did it consolidate anything for you? Talk to me about how that felt to suddenly, you know, have someone basically in your corner. Oh, it's amazing to have someone. Yeah. And like, it's brilliant because with Matimba, like we discuss stuff on an ideas level and stuff on like a career level and it's just so great having that support and yeah someone in your corner but also someone who you can discuss like I value her opinion so highly and so it's just another in the same way my close friends who I know I would I can trust them to tell me whether something is good or bad or like if I want something or to see in and amongst a sort of quagmire of an idea like what to pinpoint stuff that's particularly interesting it's just it's great having another voice who you can discuss these things with, who you really trust and value their opinion. And then also another side to that, them being responsible for you or not responsible, but like then managing your career and knowing what's best for you to do in that area. So it's, yeah, 
on a sort of more business strategy side, it it's great. Yeah. I remember when Jellyfish had been made a post room pick and I went into the BFI to meet with Matimba for a coffee. Mm. And I remember walking out of that meeting and just being like, oh my God, like, and being like the happiest person ever walking down Tottenham Court Road. And being like, <laughs> like being so like, my life is about to change. <laughs> so happy. And then fast forward a few years later and I had exactly like a mirrored thing of when she said oh would you like to be represented by me and I just remember leaving this cafe and also walking through like I think I walked onto Tottenham Court Road at that point as well I was like bye last good day I'm so happy blah, blah, blah. that is maybe a little bit gushing to me. <laughs> I like the phrase that you used when you're in the quagmire of an idea and just decide this like visual it brought up that you're sort of like yeah in in a kind of blob amorphous blob of of figuring stuff out and I'm wondering at what point that sort of sharpens for you and at what point you actually start writing things on a page oh I'm writing stuff in a page when it's a quagmire (laughs) (laughs) oh you know uh that scene uh with Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia (laughs) that's me (laughs) I have like this massive A1 um had a paper and I'm just writing and sprawling these mind maps over and I have the same thing in my notebook and it's just like this sprawl that goes all over my desk and all over my walls and everywhere and it's it's like that from the beginning and I think when I start writing something I sort of think of it there being two categories of like horizontal work and vertical work and like the horizontal work I feel like is the the sprawl and the spread and it's mm-hmm. the just snowballing of ideas and things like that and um research and thinking on certain themes and characters and doing all that fit world like figuring out the world figuring out the feeling figuring out the strange conceptual shit that's happening mm-hmm. and then in that moment really specific visuals and scenes will sort of come and I'll jot them down and but if I've been doing all of that work it's it's like that's a foundation and then these very particular moments will come out. But if that work has all been done in a cohesive way, then it's it's, it's very fitting. Like mm-hmm. those moments are like they make total sense because it's like they're, they're seeds that have sprung from this this soil that is my spread. Um, and then like the vertical work would be the plot outline and the tangible uh, steps of where the film is going. But yeah, I feel like I like doing the horizontal sprawl and then it just naturally things will grow from that. That's an awful analogy. No, oh my God, I love it. I honestly love it. I've never heard it described like that, but I think it's really smart. And as you say, you kind of, you need that, the spread. Um, I love the spread. (laughs) Also, because it's so funny. I'm just, I'm in this point in the moment where I'm writing something and it's like, it it totally consumes, I, I, I really... It can see, I love this idea and like I'm like spends all that it lives rent free in my head <laughs> constantly and but it's frustrating because like I'm just learning how writing and development time is so non-quantifiable like so I'll like clear a whole I'll have like a whole day and I'm like right you've got this day sit down do it and then I'll spend the whole day procrastinating doing all this other stuff and not getting anything done I'll be really frustrated and feeling annoyed at myself and then I'll go to a walk a walk to the shops and suddenly this thing that I've been struggling with 
it's just like fixed and I'm like this is the scene this is the thing I'm like writing it in my notes whilst in the queue to the and or like a more specific example is I had this thing that I was really struggling with all day and I had, had not made any progress and I was just sitting in front of pages that were sort of going round and round and then I went to go see my friend perform uh at this concert and just listening to her I was like whole opening of my film done I was like ah right so I don't know I'm just sort of learning so much that the work doesn't necessarily always start when you sit down to write but it definitely doesn't stop when you get up and leave it either it's it's hard to work out how much you've done or how I don't know also just not being too tough on yourself yeah it doesn't just happen at a desk basically yes that's that's a much simpler way of saying that (laughs) And and then, you know, considering that you're a writer director, so, you know, there's, there's, you would think that there's quite a smooth transition into the process. At what stage are you thinking about like the visual element, you know, the storyboards, or are you still kind of parceling it up as like, okay, here's the script, and then I'll become the director on the project and think about all of that later? Oh, the visuals are from that. From, and the script is just purely describing the visuals that are already there. Like, I, I mean, the visuals are like there from the very, very beginning, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, the, one of the first things that's there and then obviously it shifts and morphs when you're like in production or whatever but I think that's that's always one of the first things for me is the visuals and how are you finding people that you want to collaborate with you know especially considering it's a specific vision you've got a very specific voice and I, I would imagine you know you want to find people that can share in that and can get on the same page as you so where did you begin you know with with either sudden light or or you're following the, the shorts following that it's definitely about having people that you really trust and like I think I like having people who can fill in my blanks as well because sometimes I don't necessarily think in a certain way and 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 who are I just fully trust her yeah not not judge me and like I can ask them questions without any kind of judgment but also that I really like their ideas and I also can trust them to not be if they are pushing one thing and I'm like no, I'm sorry, that's that's just not how I want to do it. And I want to do it this way. And even if it makes no sense to them, yeah, trust people who are going to get on board and and also, yeah, put forward exciting ideas. Yeah, for example, like my sound designer, I think him and I have a very similar way of approaching, like, or, well, I don't know, actually, I'd say like we have very similar ideas or, or he's just very good at being fluent in other people's languages. So, and I think that's a really amazing skill. And I, I love all that. He knows what I, <laughs> sounds so big headed. He knows what I like, but he, yeah, he really knows what I like. So he puts forward these incredible ideas, but then also the notes, that whole process goes so smoothly because he can just interpret the note. It's very, I'm like, no, this isn't right. And then, and it's each step is so smooth. And so it's like, I really like his ideas and he can also interpret the notes really well. And it's, Whereas then, I don't know, when I work with Nick, my cinematographer, he thinks in a much more sort of drama narrative, right? And it's so great because he can point at his like, have you not, I think you should really consider this because I know it doesn't feel important to you now, but you might need it. And I'm like, God, I had not even thought of that. Like, yeah, no. And sometimes I'm like, no, I know that I'm not going to use that. Like, that doesn't matter to me. And I really think it would be important if you got this shot. I'm like, mm. No, that's not how, And but like he won't be, I don't know. So it's it's different because I'd say Nick is speaking maybe sometimes a little bit of a different language to me, but it's it's useful. And then, yeah, like 
there's also just people's energy on set and I think it's just being on set can be hard and it's really nice like now I feel that I don't know it's just having people around who you feel really comforted by their expertise and also just their presence and just feeling like it's a I don't know a set should be a really nice supportive working organism I'm wondering how you prepare to direct you know you've you've had all this time thinking horizontally and and now you're kind of really going into the vertical of of having to kind of get the get the shot done get the get the film wrapped you know what are you doing in the weeks days leading up to that moment to make sure you have everything at your disposal (laughs) to do what you need to do basically that's funny talking about the horizontal vertical thing again because actually thinking about it what I do is sort of re-establish reacquaint myself with the horizontal because I think at that point I've been so in writing the script day and night making all these documents fastidious documents reinforming and reinterrogating my intention behind that moment what this means what that means and even I there are these all these documents that I literally very rarely on set refer back to and and it's just kind of drilling everything into my head so that I know this film so off by heart which sounds stupid like because you obviously know it's come from you and you do know it off by heart but it's like really interrogating what everything means and creating this sort of structural framework for yourself so that then when I do it like for myself so that then I can have the confidence that to have both fresh new ideas that just come on the day and also just when problems arise because they will I know what to do because I'm like I know this is a no-brainer because this is what this means and this is what this is so okay I can't get x but here's solution y and solution y will be really obvious to me because I've been I've got all this in my head I don't know I don't want to drill it into my head in a way that sort of irons out all possibilities of new exciting stuff I don't have to be too by the script <laughs> like or but didactic and like but by knowing it off by heart it gives me the confidence to have those things I think and then I'm wondering you know whether there was anything in your experiences of, of directing that challenged you or surprised you in ways that you weren't expecting every way every way it challenges me and surprises me uh yeah everything I think every short has the like expected amount of unexpected I mean god knows what's going to happen when I have a feature oh actually yeah there's one thing this is a, a blind spot of mine, pun intended. So I don't have any depth perception because I'm blind in one eye. And so then when you're planning, like from, I remember suddenly like we were planning, like I was doing all these, really mapping out all the fields and all the direct and like where the girls were going to start from and get to visually it was really important that they started here and they've somehow find, found their way to here at the end. And <laughs> when we were blocking it on set, they started walking. I was like, oh, no, I've really not timed this out very well. And like the same thing happened on Know the Grass. Like we start blocking stuff. I'm like, man, I really need to get better at like knowing that this is not a five second walk. Like this is a 10 minute journey. Like they're never going to get from here to here or equally the other way around. So, um, yeah. 
that's always funny is I'm like oh yeah remember no depth perception make sure that you walk it through that that distance is much shorter or much bigger than you think and then I'm wondering you know you you referenced the feature there and I think you know I've read it said that you um you're currently working on two feature ideas I'm wondering you know whether that was something that sort of you just decided to explore you felt like you had ideas that would be um more serviced by the kind of longer form structure or you know if that came from the timber or anyone else saying okay like now now's the time to start writing features so I'm doing one at the moment um and I think it's it's a bit of all of it. I think like after when I finished making some that I knew that I definitely wanted to make another short it wasn't until finishing No the grass that I was like okay no I'm, I, I'm now I really am I really really want to do this and mm-hmm. yeah the ideas have got more ambitious and it's, but it's still the same still a lot of the same themes and the same things that I'm interested in just on a bigger scale I'm wondering how you stay like creatively energized and also curious. I mean, I guess we sort of touched on it in like getting away from your desk and 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 living life because that is also where the writing happens. Mm. Um, but is there anything else that you kind of actively do or, or think about to kind of engage your brain with ideas? I think I'm always thinking about, I mean, there are just certain things that are just always making me excited. And it's sort of like not, it's things that have I know I keep banging on about this, but it's like things that I've been interested in for like a really long time. And they just always, they never fail to make me excited. And then I will come across them in some kind of, they're like shape-shifting things that Mm. then I recognize them in a book, in another film, in, I don't know, a situation, an anecdote, in music. And then I just like, that always gets me going again. And yeah, I just feel like, there are always peaks and troughs I think when I'm on a project like at the moment this project like so far touch wood I can't I can't imagine when it won't be exciting to me just because it always I I I love it then it's exciting but then I think when it's hard is when when I would actively do something is when I don't have necessarily a project but then I just revisit like I revisit my favorite things and I just read or I'll read new things and watch new things and yeah reading and watching is just really good but I but I also go back to the same things I like I'll go back to things that I loved when I was 20 and it will just make me and I'm just like what's a new way of exploring this like actually my friend told me something I think it's a really good idea he was saying when he hits a sort of a bit of a block with something he's working on he writes himself like a it sounds quite narcissistic to do actually now I repeat it out loud but like he does this thing where he writes himself a perfect review where he's like this is exactly what I would want someone to say about the film and it really I think it's a really good idea right because I've I never heard that yeah it's such a cool thing because like I do that but not necessarily in a review form but I'm like okay I want I like what well, have like a list of like this is the thing I want it to explore and like just that as a thing and like gets me excited and it's trying to think of ways to do it, but it's like well this is the feeling I want it to create mm. but I think that's just more a structure a, a more structured way of doing that because you're writing out you're like I know exactly what I would want I suppose it's just always coming back to the core of it you know like however many like layers you add like thinking of each maybe HOD or or each process in the making of the film as like another layer but also like always making sure it comes back to that like initial initial idea that got you going in the first place and then I'd love to talk briefly about you were named Screen Daily Star of Tomorrow this year which is very exciting I'm wondering if that like felt like a bit of a milestone whether like chipping away at little things like that is something that sort of motivates you to keep going or in moments of 
of doubt if if you have them whether something like that sort of really solidifies that you're you're doing you're on the right path basically I mean I was massively grateful for that um and I think yes it does but I think the main thing that keeps (laughs) this sounds so (laughs) pious but um the main thing that keeps me going is the work no but like I don't know the main thing that keeps me going is like I really I really really want to make this thing that I'm working on at the moment like Mm. I really really want to see it in the world and I'm like that is the thing that keeps me going 100% and like it's good but it's not the only thing like it has to be the work at the end of the day doesn't it because if if the external validation stopped or or just didn't happen at all like you have to have something else that is is kind of pushing you up that hill oh man but I'm like I am I I I wish I could say that I don't need external validation (laughs) but I think that at this point now I think to be honest I think before I'd had any external validation then that's when you're like, oh God, what am I doing? I mean, does everyone just hate what I'm making? And maybe I'm maybe I'm rubbish and blah, 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 blah. And then when you start to get like a sort of you're like, oh, it's okay. Like I think everything, basically everything for me has just got to open the next door. That's it, actually. And that's a better way of saying that. So I am really grateful for that because if it's going to enable me to make the thing I want to make, then I am just super. Yeah, okay. That is much better. That's exactly, that's exactly it. It's like any validation if it helps you get closer to the next thing you want to do it's just yeah it's great and then coming towards the end I'd love to know if there's something that you consider to be like the biggest learning curve of your career or or to frame it differently something that you wish maybe you'd learn earlier I feel like I have a learning curve every project like I have a million learning curves every project I think it is also just to trust in your gut of what you love because actually I think until when you're not getting any validation it is very easy to start to second guess what you're doing and try and think what is it that they want and then you can start going down the wrong path yeah it does sound so cheesy but it is also it's true like because you just have to be so excited and love the project so much Mm. I think I think of it often in terms of like cooking and like if you're cooking a dish that like requires spice and like some people will be able to handle like a lot of spice and you might be you know your taste might be like really mild and so you know you might be tempted to add more because you think like okay well there's loads of people that might really like spice but you're like I know my stomach can only handle this much and it's 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 not falling into the trap of wanting to cater to like the masses when you know your own specific taste that is such a good yeah that's a really really good analogy or also like if you're going to be too or like if you really like spice and you're like okay well this is going to yeah, make you for other people like yeah that's a really I think that's a really 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 cool analogy but just yeah I like that that way of thinking about it yeah trusting trusting what you love so um yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely and then finally I would love to know if there's a film from a woman director that you think is a bit of a hidden gem Yes, I do. The Lighthouse by Maria Sakian. Sorry, The Lighthouse by Maria Sakian. Sakian, yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Why do you love it? It's just a really beautiful sensory. It reminds me of like Tarkovsky, this really beautiful sensory experience. Mm. And it's really poetic and gorgeous. Sophie, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure oh, to speak with you today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Best Girl Grip. 
If you liked what you heard, please do rate, review and subscribe. It really does help to get the word out. If this is your first time listening, there's a whole bunch of episodes to keep you busy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast, including interviews with filmmakers such as Eva Riley, Ronnie Raro, Matt Fumo, Kathy Brady, Jaisha Patel, Georgia Oakley and Nia Childs. But if you're up to date, hold tight and I'll be back next Tuesday with a very special 100th episode. 